Jason Marshall Jr. is the Florida Gator that has the absolute most to prove in 2024. We're going to talk about that here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast and on YouTube. Happy Monday. I am Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country and NFL 33. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. And like I said, Jason Marshall Jr. is the Florida Gator that has the absolute most to prove in 2024. And by that, I don't mean, first off, not Billy Napier, because I'm talking about football players. Uh, but I will say also thank you to the subtext group for helping with this. Um, join subtext.com slash locked on gators if you want to get involved in that. Two weeks free, five bucks a month after that, no commitment or anything. But I texted them on uh, Saturday night and I was like, hey, for Monday's show, what do you what what do you think about this? And so we will talk about those. And Jason Marshall was the one that I said that's for me, that that's who it is. Because also important to talk about that. I'm not saying the first round hype thing. I know that that, that was a thing going into his, uh, I, I mean, every year we, we've kind of heard like, oh, he's going to be a first round pick. He's going to be a first round pick. And then he's never lived up to that. And that has been my point. I've been saying for years now, he will never live up to the hype that was put upon him. He won't. And I've said also, I don't necessarily think that's his fault. I don't. He was a very highly rated recruit, but he's shown nothing to really make you think he's truly going to be a first round pick. However, even being someone that has said, I don't think he's going to be a first round pick, or I don't think he's going to play like a first round pick. Last year, he didn't even play like a future NFL cornerback. Like he, he genuinely didn't even play like he would be as a Sunday football player unless you're talking about like the UFL. It, it just, it wasn't good. And he wasn't good. Just simply put, it, he's been relatively underwhelming pretty much since he stepped on campus. That's just what he's been doing. And that's the, that that's what kind of how, how you have to describe him. Like you look at 2021, it, it was obviously the Todd Grant, the Todd Grantham time and Dan Mullen time. And it was just a, a train wreck of a season, but the defense still wasn't good. And I will also say for so many people that just go, oh, well, he needs to play man coverage. And then he's a beast in man. You got to let him play man. And then he gets his confidence and then he can mess around with zone and then moving him around. Todd Grantham played a lot of man coverage. Jason Marshall wasn't great. He, he was better, but he wasn't great. 2022 comes around and it's Patrick Tony and we go, okay, well, he's going to be playing a bit more zone, but he's still going to be working deep and they're going to have man match principles and quarters. And he still wasn't good. And then 2023 comes around and it's Austin Armstrong. And guess what? Still not good and worse. 
honestly, like the the product the the productivity of receivers against Jason Marshall last year was ridiculous. Twenty four point two yards per catch allowed is the second highest amongst Power Five starting cornerbacks in twenty twenty three. That, that's ridiculous. And it wasn't even like, oh, you know, he allowed five catches and it was just a lot of yardage on those five catches. It was also something like 11 yards per target, which is unacceptable. Like that, that's disgustingly bad. Uh, so he was just absolutely awful last season. And it was kind of weird because you see guys oftentimes start the year strong and then they kind of have a bad performance and it carries over because a lot of playing cornerback is confidence. If you go into a play or if you go into a game, you're like, this dude's probably going to eat me alive. You're going to have a bad game. Like you're talking yourself into playing a bad game. Jason Marshall started the year poorly, continued through the middle of the year poorly, and then got a little bit better and, and kind of, he was still average ish, but he, he did get better as the year went on. So we could say, Hey, maybe this was him. Finally kind of adjusting to the defense, finally kind of adjusting to the system and the scheme and learning how to play. And so maybe another year back will help him genuinely. He's still got the athletic ability. He needs to really lock in the mental part of playing cornerback. And he's also got to learn to turn his head in coverage. Like he had a couple of decent performances. And I, I don't want to talk about the Vanderbilt game as far as coverage wise, but I do again want to bring up that Will Shepard play where Will Shepard didn't even grab his face mask. Like Will Shepard put his hands high trying to beat the press and his finger got caught for a second, less than that really, but for a second and yanked Jason Marshall Jr.'s face mask a tiny, tiny bit. And Jason Marshall just immediately started crying for the flag and just desperately hoping for that and then stopped running completely. Um, and that was just, it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen at, at, or the worst effort plays I've ever seen of him just watching it happen after that. Like, like when he knew he wasn't getting the flag, everything, it was, it was just terrible. Um, and I don't know how else to put it other than that. It, it was just bad cornerback play and, and the Vanderbilt game. Yeah. was his worst play like that play on film coverage wasn't bad for most of the game. But he did give up that huge touchdown because he just gave up on a play. And this is his last season before the NFL. You hope Will Harris can put it together. And I will also say he does deserve, not a mulligan, but he does deserve a little bit of leeway for the fact that he's always had new secondary coaches coming in. 2020, uh, 2022, having Corey Raymond to 2023, having Corey Raymond, yes, that helped because that was the only continuity he had. But he's always had new secondary coaches coming in, new coaches telling him how to play different techniques, how to do things different ways. And it, yeah, it could throw a wrench into your plan and into your development. But he also just mentally hasn't looked that way. He, he hasn't looked like a guy where you go, oh, he could be a first round pick or he's going to be a first round pick. And that's for me, one of the biggest issues where he's got, he's got the physical talent. Like, I don't think you can deny his athleticism. I don't think you can deny. I don't think you can deny anything like that. His length, but just mentally, he doesn't play like a good cornerback that's going to be playing in the NFL, and that's worrisome for a guy who's now a, a multi-year starter in different defensive systems and different defensive schemes. So it's not even like he was just playing in a bad fit. It's not like he's someone who's built to play cover two. 
and he's playing a whole bunch of different coverage. Like it was just a bad, it's been bad film in different systems. And that's the worrisome part. So for me, he's coming back when I think a lot of people thought he would leave. I thought he was gone too. I didn't know if it was for the NFL or the NFL draft or if it was for the NFL or the transfer portal. But I did think that he was going to be gone because it felt like one of those things where he was tweeting at the fans. It felt like the princely situ- princely situation where we were like, okay, he's NFL bound or he's transfer portal bound, but he ain't coming back. And it felt kind of like that. But I am happy to see him come back. It, it takes a lot to every week have people tweeting at you and saying that you're terrible and then Gators fans saying all these things to you. And then you come back and you're like, well, guess what? I got one last chance to ride and I'm going to do it for Gator Nation. So I do give him absolute credit for that. And I do hope that he comes back. But just what he's put on film has been nothing short of pretty, pretty bad. Um, and, and that's that's a tough one. We are about to talk about Austin Barber in the next segment because he's another one who has not lived up to the hype. But first, we're going to have a quick word from LinkedIn. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role because it's about the fit. It's not just, oh, we need someone. It's about the fit, just like football, basketball. It's all about the fit, getting the people that help you win. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And it's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. In fact, personal story here with LinkedIn. Last week, I had Jamison Vest, the Toledo kicker that played for uh, Joe Houston, who's now with Florida. And he was on the show on the Tuesday show. I set that up through LinkedIn. I, because again, Jamison and I went to college together. I didn't have his number, but I, I had him on LinkedIn, and that is why Jamison Vest was on this show, and it's how I met a couple of agents at the Senior Bowl last week. Just saying, LinkedIn works wonders. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget that one. Don't forget YouTube, where you can catch the show live at 8 a.m. at 8 Eastern time every day that we have a show come out. So, eh, just saying. Comments there. Pretty fun. Kind of mean sometimes, but pretty fun. The next player that we're talking about is Austin Barber. And Austin Barber's had, had an interesting timeline with the Florida Gators because you look at 2022 was kind of where he not broke out because I don't think he ever really had a breakout. It's where he became more popular with fans and, and sure actually got playing time, but he never had a breakout moment or a breakout game where you go, Oh, he's here because Florida had Richard garage and Michael Tarquin and they were battling injuries. And Austin Barber was coming in as a rotational player and playing pretty well. He was, he was playing pretty well. Uh, the huge majority of his snaps are at right tackle. And we were going into 2023 thinking, oh man, like if he just takes another step, you're looking at a really good tackle that's probably going to go to the NFL. And he's got the athleticism to do it. Like that's not a huge question mark about his potential, similar to how we talk about Jason Marshall. We go, 
He's got the athletic ability. He's got the size. He's got the length. But will he put it together? And 2022 was, again, a rotational year for Austin Barber. But a good year. No doubt about it. 2023 comes around and he goes full-time to left tackle and never really found his footing. He had a lot of bad games, I want to say. I think he did a great job against Kentucky. I think that was a very good game for him. But then you look at, I think one of his worst games was probably, uh, was it Georgia? I think where he just got bullied into the backfield like a, a few times. And I get it, it's Georgia. Like, like. They're really good up front, but it just felt like he was just completely out of his weight class in that game. And that's not a thing you want from your starting left tackle at the SEC level in a rivalry game. That's just not what you're looking for. And he's another one who I thought would leave because I think that when you set on realistic expectations for guys and then they don't work out, you're looking at someone and they're getting tweeted at and, and, and it's just a mess. I think you look at a risk of people going, all right, like, I don't want to be here then if when I struggle, I'm just going to get tweeted at. Um, but 2024 is an interesting situation for Austin Barber because Florida went out, they added Devin Manuel from Arkansas. Florida went out, they added Brandon Crenshaw Dixon from San Diego State. And now you're in a spot where Austin Barber either gets year number two at left tackle, which I don't think is the... Uh, I, I don't think is the case like I, or I don't think is the best case scenario we'll say. Cause I, I strictly simply don't think he's a left tackle at the NFL level. And I don't think like, if you can't play it in college or if you're struggling in college, you're probably not going to play it in the NFL or we see him move back to right tackle. And again, I, I both, both options can work out, can work out. I just, I think that right tackle is way more likely to work out for him. And I think that the coaching staff has to take not responsibility for that, but accountability there where it's your job to put players in the best position to succeed. And for Austin Barber, that's probably at right tackle. So I feel like you, you should play him at right tackle. That's probably where he's going to play in the NFL. You tried him at left tackle. You gave him the opportunity to play left tackle, which is the more valuable position, although they're both incredibly valuable nowadays. Um, and it, it just hasn't worked out. So you put him back at right tackle where he had his best film and you give him an opportunity to show NFL teams like, Hey, I'm not a bad tackle. I'm just not a left tackle, which is good enough to get him in the NFL. There's plenty of guys who we look at when they're coming out of the draft. Again, I, my start in media was covering the NFL draft. There's plenty of guys that we look at and we go, they probably can't play left tackle. However, they could play right tackle or some guys go to guard, which I will say is why Damian George is not on this list. Not that I think he's not that I'm saying he's going to guard definitively. Don't think he's going to left tackle. And I don't think of him as a starter until I'm told. Otherwise, I think of it as Brandon Crenshaw Dixon at one spot and Austin Barber at the other, which is also important because Brandon Crenshaw Dixon has started at both tackle spots throughout his career. So... If you're the coaching staff and you go, we want to keep Austin Barber at left tackle, like you can do that. And Brandon Crenshaw Dixon can play right tackle. If you think that, hey, Austin Barber, you tried left tackle, it didn't work out for you. Let's move you to right tackle. You can do that as well. But the fact remains that in 2023, Austin Barber allowed the second most pressures by any Florida Gators offensive lineman. Because again, Florida 
offensive linemen allowed a lot of pressures in 2023. Um, but Austin Barber allowed the second most. Damian George allowed the most. One thing there is that Austin Barber played, what, the second fewest games? Or the fewest games among starters, actually, because you're not going to count Kingsley, who played four games. So when you look at Damian George at left at right tackle, Austin Barber was at left tackle. They allowed a combined 45 pressures. 16 of those came from Austin Barber. That was more than Richie Leonard IV, Michael Mazuka, and Jake Slaughter. So... I think that, look, you tried left tackle at the SEC. You didn't do it. You allowed five sacks. You got you gave up a lot of hits for Graham Mertz. And the run game didn't even get going on that side, on either side, really. So I think that you can, I don't think you can go into 2024 and think that the approach should be Austin Barber. I think you can give it a shot in the spring, but I don't I don't go into the season and I go, oh yeah, like we're just gonna we're just gonna run it back at left tackle. Because he looked bad there and teams are going to attack him and that's Graham Mertz's blind side so you hope that at least if he's a right tackle he put up better film there previously and it's at least a side where Graham Mertz can identify things and also they played uh Hayden Hansen more on the right side where Hayden can help uh pass block because that was a thing he did a ton of in 2023 uh, I do think that Austin Barber does still have NFL potential like you look at the athleticism he had one good year when he was rotational and one really bad year when he was a starter, which you could also just chalk up to, hey, it's his first year as a starter. Uh, opposing edge rushers had actual film on him where they can go, okay, this is what he's good at. This is what he's not. This is how I'm going to attack him. This is how I shouldn't attack him. Like, you can argue all of those things. However, the fact remains he just looked unnatural at left tackle. And I think at that point you go, you look unnatural there. You looked pretty natural at right tackle. It looked like the smoother spot. I know that. I, I've told the story before of like I've played left tackle for one single play um, and it, it didn't go well. And part of it was like, when I think of like a pass set, when I think of dropping back in pass protection, naturally I'm way better when I'm basically lining up at a right tackle spot. I'm bad at either side. I don't want to get that, but just moving wise, I'm way better if I'm thinking of it as blocking from a right tackle spot, as opposed to a left tackle spot when I'm in that two point stance. So it's possible that he's just better there. And he put up better film. He looked more natural there. He has a lot to prove though, regardless, because it went from you're going to get one good year of Austin Barber. And then he's going to go to the NFL to That was like group of five tape that he put out. It was just consistently bad. It didn't matter if you were attacking him with speed or power, you were getting by him. If you were an edge rusher against him. It, and it was consistent. Like you can look at, and I, I, I know I've been very critical of Kingsley Aguakin throughout his career. I, I think it's all fair criticism as well. But you look at who he struggled against. It was most of like, or where he had his really bad games. It was Georgia, and you understand that you're like, oh, they're they're menaces at every spot. But he looked bad against Georgia, and he looked bad against Arkansas, and he looked bad against LSU, and he looked bad against Kentucky. And it was just a string of just bad, 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 bad performances against every good team. He just didn't play well. So I think that now you have to answer not just are you an NFL tackle, but you have to answer are you a starting caliber power five offensive tackle because you didn't play like it in 2023 at all. And so I think that that's where Austin Barber really has to answer that question because based on the film in 2023, he's not. 
but he's he's still got the doors open for him. But you've really got to lock in and kind of significantly improve for this season if we're if we're going to even have the conversation of being an NFL draft pick when it's all said and done for Austin Barber in Gainesville. We're about to talk about kind of a, a, a mixed bag of other names that the subtext group threw in. But first, we're going to get a quick word from FanDuel. Today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is going to be all about scoring the best seat on the couch, chair, wherever you are, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. And I'm telling you now, like the Super Bowl is where FanDuel goes nuts. On a normal game, you can bet on uh, still a lot, but Super Bowl, you can bet on how long the longest punt is going to be for Mitch Wisnowski or Tommy Townsend. You can bet uh, who's going to punt first. Like They have punting props. Punting props. You can bet on how many times uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to run the ball, which usually you don't get rushing attempts for quarterbacks there. You can bet on... Freaking anything. Tackles plus assists. Bet on it. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sponsor of the NFL. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about, again, a mixed bag of subtext names or Names that the Lockdown Gator subtext group gave for who needs who has the most to prove. Some gave reasoning, some didn't. And on those, I will indeed speculate for the reasoning. First off was Derek Wingo. Uh, and I get it because you look at every year we we get told, oh, like Derek Wingo's, he's gonna start playing well, he's gonna start playing better. And every year you kind of buy into it because you know he's a he's a very nice person, you know he's a very smart person. And you go, are you playing a linebacker? You're playing linebacker, which is where if you're smart enough, if you have a high football IQ, you have good football instincts, you can succeed there without being the most athletic guy. You can play that Sam linebacker spot, that, that Sam linebacker spot, that strong side linebacker spot. And you can play well there as a two down attacking line. Look at Ventrell Miller. Ventrell Miller did not have elite measurables. Ventrell Miller did not have the uh just like the straight speed he he wasn't an, like an athletic freak he wasn't a tall person he wasn't insanely long he's like he wasn't anthony barr or anything like that but damn good football player and was a complete game changer on this defense partially because of his iq his communication and i think that's what the expectation is when people go oh this is like Derek wingo is going to start kind of breaking out i think that's the expectation that he can be a ventro miller type player and I don't know if he will be, but I understand where, where you get that from. And you could even argue that with his, I, th- I think he's a better athlete than Ventra Miller. And you can argue that with his blitzing ability, because he's a pretty good blitzer, plays where like, his hair is on fire, he could be a bigger impact player for Austin Armstrong than Ventra Miller was for Patrick Tony. So like, I understand it. I do think that he's got a lot to prove. Uh, personally, I don't think he's got the most to prove because I do think that the expectation for at least someone like me is that I'm not thinking of him as a starter. And so for me, that's where I go. But like Derek Wingo is a common answer. And I think part of that is because Austin Barber did an interview uh, a couple of weeks ago at this point. I don't remember who it was with, 
but then Austin Barber did an interview and they were like, Oh, who's, who's going to surprise us this year. And, and he said, Derek Wingo. And so we've seen that pop up quite a bit of guys going, Oh, Derek Wingo is going to surprise you. Derek Wingo is going to surprise you. And maybe he will, but if just straight up playing well is a surprise, I don't think that's the most to prove. Like, I don't think you have a ton of questions that you need to answer there. Another one is Devin Moore, who I do agree with because best ability is availability. But you also look at Devin Moore, someone who I think of him as a starting cornerback for Florida, assuming he's healthy. So I think of him as a starting cornerback for Florida. Now he's only played rotationally and he's been hurt a lot. So looking at him as can you, because again, when he's played, He's played really well. Genuinely, he's been a very good corner when he's been healthy. The issue is he's never been healthy, and he's always rotating even when he is healthy. So now, and by rotating, I mean that he's a depth player rotating in, not a starter rotating out. Now you look at Devin Moore as, hey, the expectations have never been higher for you. Like, the, And the questions, the, the asking has never been higher of you, where we go, last year you had Jalen Kimber, and we kind of knew he was going to be the guy. And we kind of knew he was going to be starting opposite Jason Marshall. Then you look at this year and it's there's Jason Marshall. And then there's nobody proven definitively at the opposite corner spot. And Devin Moore is the one that we all talk about as he's going to be that guy. So you do have a lot to prove there. You have a lot to prove as far as are you a true starting corner in the SEC level or NFL level? Are you capable of staying healthy for an entire season, which you have not yet in Gainesville. Are you capable of that film that you've put out so far that's been good? Are you capable of doing that over the course of an entire game even, let alone multiple week stretch a, a season because you've only been a rotational player? So now the question is, can you play? Like, can you take that good play and extend it? Because you've got a small sample size so far. So can you take that good play and extend it to he can start and play well consistently on the outside? Joey Slackman was another pretty common answer, which I get it. I'm someone who I do, I do think Joey Slackman will play well. I'm a big fan of what he's put out on film. However, it's going from Penn, which is an Ivy League school, to Florida, which is a Southern Ivy League school, um, which is an SEC school, and it's not just he's going to Florida. It's that he's going to Florida against one hell of a schedule this year. So I understand it with Joey Slackman because it's not just, which again, I, I think his technique's pretty solid, but it's not just, oh, you are a better athlete because if you're an SEC athlete, you're probably more athletic than everybody in the Ivy League. So it's not just, oh, you can out-athlete people at times which I know there was like a video of him going around when he committed to Florida of a, a screen play where he's unblocked and he just blows it up. And it's like, yeah, that's a screen. Like you're just more athletic than them. But looking at doing or making impact plays consistently at the SEC level is way different than Penn. You're going to be going up against significantly bigger interior offensive linemen where in at Penn, or in the Ivy League, not so much. Like You're not going up against many NFL offensive linemen there. This year, every week almost, you're going to be going up against NFL offensive linemen. Can't just overpower them like you could at Penn. You can't just 
first buy them like you could at Penn. And if you can do that, then you're answering the questions. But that's rare ability to be able to do that on the interior. Like that's like Javon Dexter did that. He put out good film as a pass rusher when he was solo blocked. So you can you can talk about that, but I don't think Joey Slapman is that kind of athlete. I think Joey Slapman needs to be able to actually defeat and, and deconstruct his blocks. So I think that Joey Slapman, totally someone that you can count as he has a lot to prove. And the next one, which I will say, one person said this. I'm not going to say people's names because I don't I don't know if they want that. But one person said this, and I didn't even think about it until they said it. But I do kind of get it. And by kind, I mean I do agree. Arliss Boardingham. And I think the big selling point with Arliss there, or the big what you have to prove for Arliss, is consistency, which, to be fair, some of it is out of your control. You know, I'm not talking about catches or targets because that you can't control. Or I guess you can control catches to an extent, given your targets. Uh, but there were games where he was uninvolved, and you can talk about that being Billy Napier's fault. You could talk about that being whoever's fault, but fact remains that at least partially on our list to get open and, and be trusted by Graham Mertz and, and be available there where, yeah, we, we saw a couple of drops from our list this year. Not really. There was one I don't want to fault him for. I think PFF does fault him for it, but uh, it's South Carolina where South Carolina was it or Missouri. It was Missouri where it hits his hand and then gets picked off the Kentucky one. I can, I can fault him for it. I think it was a bad ball, bad decision to throw, but he also should have caught it. Um, so I think that that was a fault on both of them, but Arliss, can you do it consistently? Because that is not something he's done consistently. He, uh, the Vanderbilt game, he had a great game, but it was against Vanderbilt South Carolina game. He was ghost for most of it until the final drive and Arkansas game. He was ghost for most of it until the final drive. Like we've seen him pop up when it matters the most, but he's been silent radio silent for a lot of games for most of the game. And I think his blocking ability is bad just straight up i've said this before i i think that he's more of like a travis kelsey big slot type than he is anything else because he is not a good blocker right now just bad and i don't mean just against defensive ends and defensive linemen even against linebackers and safeties he is not a good blocker right now he's a lot of work to do there but that was also always expected because he was a wide receiver coming over from high school so I understand that, but I do think he has a lot to prove as far as where the hype is at, what he's actually put on film. I don't think he's lived up to it to this point, but again, he was a redshirt freshman. So this is the year for him to kind of prove it. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free reviews in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to have more Florida Gators football for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country NFL 33, and I'll see you all tomorrow.